Man, that was a uh, that was good worship. Yeah. All the worship team was like this big last time I saw them. <laughs> and uh, that was really that was good stuff. This has a password. What a bump! Oh, there it is. <laughs> All right. Well, good. Hey, um, good to see some familiar faces and some not familiar faces. What? <laughs> Man, I just want to give everybody a hug. Who cares about COVID? All right. So listen, what an honor it is for Kelly and I to be here today and be invited by Pastor Nathan. Um, uh, very excited about Bethany Fellowship and what God's doing here. I feel I, I haven't I haven't been in this area for eight years, and uh, I feel um, hey guys, um, I feel sorry. I see all these people. It's like so great. Um, I felt back then that Nathan uh, was called to be a pastor, and so um, for him to finally get off his rear and do it uh, <laughs> is, uh, is something that I'm, I'm just uh, so excited for this place, and I know you guys have a, a church on every corner, and uh, you know there's a million choices and all that kind of stuff, uh, and they're all probably awesome, uh, but uh, those of us that have known Nathan and Alicia for a while know their heart and know the fire that they've walked through. And uh, that's something uh, you can't, you don't find all the time. Uh, D.L. Moody one time said, he was a famous Bible guy, but he one time said, before God can use a man or a woman greatly, he allows them to be hurt deeply. And uh, I believe that that's very true. And so anyway, I, I just have uh, nothing but uh, just excitement and um Hope for what God's going to do, even through this little church here, and, and uh, God's doing good stuff. So anyway, thank you guys for letting me come and speak, and uh, you know, just uh, it's a it's a major blessing. All right, I am uh, going to speak today. Uh, just that some of you know Kelly and I. Let me just get very quick. I'll give you a three minute background of what we've been doing for the last eight years. Um, most of you know my wife had to have a brain surgery. And uh, that didn't go so well. We found out later the doctor um, in Liberty here that did the surgery uh, had not done that before. And so we ran into some, into some complications there. Uh, we went through almost two years of Kelly being in a lot of pain and I was still pastoring a church here in Liberty. And, um, uh, but that was an extremely hard time for our family. I had kids that were graduating high school and all of that, um, but God was faithful. We have still never, experience the type of community that we had here uh, with family and things like that. I don't really have, and Kelly, we were talking about it, we've been on vacation, we were talking, we don't really have friends like we had here. We felt like everybody in the church was our buddy, and uh, if they didn't feel that way, that's fine, keep that to yourself. <laughs> and, um, and so God's, he has not replaced that, but he, um, we were told that if we went to a higher altitude, it might help Kelly's health. So we did that. We uh, resigned a church that we had pretty much started, and uh, it was the exact kind of church I would go to. I've not found a church yet that I would go to. I pastor one now. I don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're recording. Sorry. I love the people there. Uh, just kidding. So I'm not kidding. I love them. They're just harder to love. So. Uh, Kelly and I, um, so we went to Colorado Springs. That was 6,200 feet. We thought that might help. There's a lot of uh, parachurch ministries there and uh, churches. I thought, oh, man, it would be no problem to get a job, you know, 
been in ministry since 1989. You know, they're going to love me. They're going to like my slur. And, uh, and so uh, we got there. Dude, nobody wanted to hire anybody with tattoos. Like, don't tattoo yourself. That's my lesson for today. Uh, so we went to focus on the family and compassion. And they were like, dude, can you cover? How about the tattoos on your hands? Can you get rid of those? And I was like, no. So we looked everywhere, went to all these different churches, and I got a job driving a Schwann's frozen food truck. And um, that was awesome. <laughs> it was so great, you know. And uh, there was a breaking process that God had to do in me. And Kelly didn't get better. We got there and she didn't get better. And I was ticked um, at the Lord, just uh, mad at the Lord. And so we started going to this large mega church. Uh, my youngest daughter is now a junior in high school, and uh, her name's Mercy, and uh, we adopted her from Haiti, so she's very dark black, and I wanted to go to a church that was diverse. So we found a church uh, where they taught the, the word, and the pastor was African-American, and it was a very diverse congregation. We started going there. Kelly couldn't really still get out of bed, so me and Mercy went, and I'd sit in the back, and I was ticked, and... Uh, Stinking pastor preached a message one time uh, on being angry at God. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, whatever, Lord. You know, I've left my dream. I've left my friends. Uh, my wife didn't get better. I thought, you know, we'd move and she'd get better. So um, I was bad and I was mad. And I could, I, I could tell the Lord was speaking to me. You guys ever been in a service where, like, that dude is talking, is reading your mail? <laughs> anyway, um, so anyway, that's what was happening, and I was mad. I was like, okay, Lord, I get it. And he goes, you need to come up here to the front, and we're going to pray for you if you're mad at God. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm mad at God, but I'm over it. Thank you, Lord. You spoke to me. I ain't going up front. <laughs> and he's like, he's like seriously, we've got to wait. People got to come up here and get prayed for. And, um, and so I was like, I'm not doing it. And he goes, some of you are so full of pride, you won't get up off your rear and come down here and get prayed for. And I was like, Good. <laughs> so I get about half of a large church. I get about halfway down. No one else is going for it. No one's going for it. And uh, I get about halfway down and just break, just start bawling my eyes out, you know. And this poor associate pastor named James, he sees me and sees me coming at him. And uh, one thing I had done is I started lifting weights a lot and um, taking protein and stuff. And so I was much bigger than I am now. And I had tattoos and I'm walking down the thing and I'm just bawling like snot. Running <laughs> and, and, uh, and so he told me later he was scared. <laughs> oh, no. and, uh, but I just kind of collapsed on him. He prayed for me. And I went home that night and Kelly still wasn't talking. And uh, I whispered in her ear and I said, um, God did something in my heart tonight. And so the next day, I'm out there driving a Schwann's truck, and um, there's, there's more to that story. I'll, I'll skip that part. Let me just say this. I get a phone call from that church, and they want to talk to me, and, and uh, I'm like, how did you, I don't, I never fill out the, you know, they always want you to connect and fill out the card. Not me, dude. I'm not doing that. So, uh, I'm not doing that. so I'm like, how did you get my number, you know? And they're like, oh, your daughter Mercy in Children's Church. <laughs> So I, uh, they wanted to go lunch with me. And anyway, long story short, uh, they hired me on staff there to be his kind of his right-hand man and to oversee the staff. So we were there for four and a half years, and, and God did a lot of healing. The day they asked me to be on staff, I went home, and Kelly was standing up doing the dishes. And uh, I was like, 
what are you doing? Get back in bed. You know, I haven't seen this. And uh, she's like, I don't know. I just feel better today. So um, she's had, you know, ups and downs. And I tell people now she's about 85%. And, uh, you know, she's up and talking. And our life is great. I feel like I got my wife back. And um, we were there for about four and a half years. A pastor one day told me, he said, Michael, you're hiding. Uh, you're supposed to be a senior pastor. And uh, I was like, are you firing me? And he said, no, but you need to leave. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, um, I, I went home and typed in high altitude, because that's what Kelly needed to be at, senior pastor. And a little teeny church up in Telluride, Colorado came up, had eight people going there. And um, we, uh, we sent a resume. I'd never done a resume in my life. And I sent one. And... Uh, Eight months later, they called me back. So I totally forgot about it. And uh, they called me back and said, hey, we'd like you to come. And, and we did. And I preached, you know. And I kind of get into things. And, and everybody just sat like this. <laughs> the whole time. And I'm preaching. And afterwards, I was like, if you want prayer, man, I'd love to pray with you. And, and uh, this guy walks up to the front. And I'm like, how can I pray for you? And he goes, hey, would you mind leaving? <laughs> and he goes, we need you just to leave because we need to talk. And I go, oh. Okay, so I grabbed my Bible, we walk out the front door, and I told Kelly, I was like, that did not go well. <laughs> and she goes, nope, it didn't. The sermon was great, but they did not dig you. Let's get the heck out of here. So we went to our thing, and anyway, they voted and unanimously wanted us to be their pastor. And so we were going, uh, so then they came to the hotel. I was making trips down to the car, putting stuff in, just trying to get out of town. And, and we get a knock on the door of our little condo that we're staying in. And everybody that was at church was out in the hallway. And they're like, we voted unanimous. And I was like, whoa, we don't vote for you. you know? So anyway, uh, we ended up, I went back the next day. I told my pastor, I was like, hey, would you pray with us, you know? Remember eight months ago, you told me I should maybe be a pastor again. Uh, you know, I only sent one resume out and this word dinky church. I don't even know what they're paying or anything, but would you just pray with us? He's like, Michael, I don't really need to pray. Why don't you go pack up your, your office and, and go today? I was like, what, did I offend you? And he said, no, but it's a step of faith. You need to do it. So we, um, we did that and uh, we sold our house in two days in Colorado Springs and and uh, I moved there, and um, uh, the church has been doing really good. COVID kind of was a monkey wrench in the whole deal, but we were uh, in a, it's a very small church. I mean, maybe this big right here, this size, and that many chairs. And uh, we were uh, running about 180, and, uh, and we would open the doors and put chairs out on the sidewalk. It's in a, a cute little town. And uh, so God's been doing some really cool things and, and everything. And, and Kelly's has since then had another brain surgery, and that went well. And, um, so anyway, that's sort of longer than probably what you wanted to know, but just so some of you that don't know us, kind of where we've been, what we've been doing. Um, I, I'm calling this message today, uh, Brace for Impact. And you see my graphic there is a crash test dummy. Um, I actually don't think we should call them dummies because I think we should call them heroes. Because if you think about the whole purpose for a crash test dummy, their whole destiny is wrapped up in this idea. They're placed into a vehicle. They're placed into a car or something like that with one purpose, and that is to crash. And they're doing that so that the rest of us can be safe. So I don't like to call them dummies. I'm going to call them crash test heroes. Because the truth is, most of us in our lives... We try to avoid moments of impact, moments of pain, 
moments of crashing and crushing. Like, I want to circumvent those times in my life, dude. I want to go around those times. And yet what I believe many of us are finding, those of us that have been walking with Jesus for any amount of time, we're beginning to realize that the bullseye of what God intends for his followers to be at, to accomplish his will, it's going to take us through some storms. It's going to take us through some impacting times. Amen? Amen. Right? That's a Greek word that means, yeah! Um, it's not real. Uh, but, so I think that I'm so busy in my life, it's always, you know, God, help me get out of this situation. And I think God's been saying, Michael, I need you to go through this. Because here's the deal, dude. The goal is not heaven. I always thought it was. I thought the goal was to get to heaven when you die. Which is groovy, by the way. Heaven's cool. And I want to go there, and it's going to be awesome. But the goal is not necessarily the destination. The goal is the journey that we're on and how we bring glory to the Father on that journey. You with me? So, listen, I want to go to heaven. Heaven's killer. But the journey is what God has each and every one of you and me on right now. And that is going to include some rough times. It just is. And, uh, you know, that's a famous pastor down in Houston. I won't mention his name, uh, but written a lot of good books. His number one best-selling book is Your Best Life Now. And, dude, let me tell you, I usually say this at a funeral, but if you're living for your best life now, you know, if your best life is, listen, we have heaven to look forward to. That's going to be our best life. But I kind of get what he's saying. The goal is to live now to the glory of God, being obedient to the things that he's called us to do, laying ourselves down, right? I mean, that's it. Not a great, fun message in 2021. We want things that are going to make us feel better and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I believe this whole idea of living through the journey and living the storm is perfectly exemplified in this cool story I'm going to read you today out of Acts chapter 27. It's exemplified in the life of Paul, who was an apostle of Jesus Christ. And um, so we're going we're gonna to read a bunch of scripture. I'm reading out of uh, something called the Christian Standard Bible. I think I've got this, the scriptures up here. We'll kind of take a break every once in a while and talk about it. Um, but you can follow along. Acts 27, starting in verse 13. Oh, let me give you a little bit of background first. Sorry. Paul is a Christian. You guys know that? Okay, all right. So he's a Christian, and he's going after God, and he's totally laying his life down like in a radical way. Nobody's living like this guy. This guy is like people picking up rocks and throwing them at him, trying to get him to shut up. They put him in prison, trying to get him to shut up. Uh, he just keeps rocking the kingdom of God. He's just advancing the kingdom of God in a massive way. And nothing they can do to, will shut him up. But Paul's whole like dream in life is to go to this place called Rome. Like he just wants to go to Rome. And he knows if he can get an audience in front of Caesar, who was like the big wig at the time, if he could just sit in front of Caesar and talk about the gospel and give the message of Jesus Christ who lived and died and was buried and resurrected from the dead. If he could give that to Caesar, dude, if that's the hub of the, of the modern world at that time, and then, man, he would, Paul would have the greatest impact if he could just get to Rome. But he could never get there. Like, he, God kept like, like no, I'm going to put you in Ephesus. He's like, Ephesus? 
What? Yeah, now you're going to go to Philippi. And now you're going to go to Corinth and Thessalonica. And, and he's like, I just want to go to Rome. And so his whole life, he's just, he's, he's, it's hard. He can't get there. You with me? So now at the end of his life, this is the end of the book of Acts. The end of his life, he finally gets to go to Rome. All expense paid cruise to Rome as a prisoner. Okay? So he gets on this boat. And he's, you know, he's arrested. And they're like, you know, it's a long story. So he's going to go to Rome. He's going to finally get to talk to Caesar. I think he's pumped about it. And uh, we're told later, you'll see, there was exactly 276 people on this boat with Paul. Okay? 275 plus him. That's 276. I promise. I did the math. <laughs> so here's the thing. That was a joke. You're not getting many of them. All right. <laughs> So there's three different types of people on this boat, okay? There's, there's prisoners like Paul, and then there's soldiers watching the prisoners, and then there's sailors, people that are doing, you know, taking care of the boat. Prisoners, soldiers, sailors, 276. So they get on this boat, they take off, and, and it's, it's like awesome. Weather's perfect. They're loving it, okay? And Paul basically stands up and says, hey, just want you guys to know, uh, weather's going to change. And it ain't always going to be good. Like, we should probably stop here. And nobody listens to him because he's a prisoner. Like, they're thinking this dude doesn't want to go to Rome. He's probably going to lose his head. Why would we listen to him? And Paul's like, I'm telling you guys, we should stop. And they don't listen. Okay? So that comes into play here. Now we'll pick it up. Verse 13. It says, when a gentle south wind sprang up, they thought that they had achieved their purpose. They weighed anchor and they sailed along the shore of Crete. But before long, a fierce wind called the Northeaster rushed down from the island. Since the ship was caught and unable to head into the wind, we gave way to it and we were driven along. Verse 16, after running under the shelter of a little island called Cauda, we were barely able to get control of the skiff. A skiff is like a life raft, okay? Um, verse 17, after hoisting it up, they used ropes and tackle and they girded the ship, fearing they would run aground on uh, the surface. They lowered the drift anchor and in this way, they were driven along. Okay, let's stop here. I'm going to use uh, an acronym today because here's the deal. If it's true that God wants us to have moments of life that are kind of hard, that are crashing moments, these impacting moments. If that's true, then I think we should be prepared for that. Does that make sense? Like we should prepare ourselves for this. So I'm calling this brace for impact because the impact's coming, dude. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a target on you. It's called spiritual warfare. And the more influence you have, the more uh, leadership you have. And so for instance, if you're a dad and you have children, you have a bullseye on you, dude. You don't just have to be a pastor or a missionary. Satan wants to take you out. So you just need to understand there's an impact coming. There's crashes that will come in your life. If you're a mom, if you're a leader at work or whatever, the enemy loves to take out the top and then scatter the sheep. Right? Does that make sense? So that's it's, it's always been his uh, MO. So, if that's the case, then we need to be ready for that. Okay, that's what this sermon's all about. So I've used an acronym here using the word BRACE, and the B stands for um, BAIL, all right? Uh, we're going to BAIL here, uh, so we're going to keep going. Let's keep reading. Verse 18. Because we were being severely battered by the storm, 
They began to jettison the cargo the next day. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. For many days, neither sun nor stars appeared, and the severe storm kept raging. Finally, all hope was fading that we would be saved. All right. Bail. First point here. This all starts out by just reminding us that we are going to be going through some storms. But when you're going through the storms, gang, <coughs> when you and I are going through storms, the first thing that we do to be ready is you got to bail. You got to get rid of the things that are weighing you down. The things in your life and in my life that might and will sink us. You guys with me? And there's stuff there, man. I, uh, this last Monday, we were in uh, uh, Florida, uh, down on the beach, and we, had, you know, we were we were on vacation. And uh, this lady that we know said, "I need you to meet the pastor down here." And so I was like, "Okay." So we went to lunch, and this guy uh, called Pastor Jack. And uh, we were out to dinner. I've never met him before. And uh, he starts telling me. Um, he says, uh, "He goes, you know, we were ordering our food or whatever." And uh, he, the the long story. Anyway. He has this meal, and there's a shot of uh, sherry that you pour on top of his bisque, which is weird, but whatever. So he goes, oh, just tells the waiter, go, I'm sorry, I don't drink. Well, I know the lady that introduced me, she said, yeah, this pastor drinks. So I was like, yeah. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so he said, I don't drink. And I go, so whatever. And he goes, yeah, I just stopped drinking, you know, two weeks ago. And I go, oh, wow, okay, well, tell me about that, you know. And he says, well, he goes, um. Had a guy, you know, come to the church and uh, uh, he wanted to meet with me and he needed some counseling. His marriage was all jacked up. And, and so uh, I met with him and, you know, I ordered a beer and, and then he ordered a beer and I ordered another beer and he ordered another beer. We talked for about two hours. We each had two beers. He said, uh, then uh, I went home and I get a text later that he got pulled over for a DUI, lost his license, and uh, now his wife has to take him to work. The dude gets a DUI after meeting with the pastor. So Pastor Jack, who I'm talking to, is like, yeah, he goes, it's, it's really wrecked me. And I said, uh, I go, oh, wow, I go, that's intense. He goes, yeah, he goes, I don't think drinking is a sin. I, I, you know, I think we're not to drink to get drunk, but, but uh, you know, that's just, I just feel like it's, it's hindering my ministry. <clears throat> you hear that? So here's the deal. Each and every one of us, are called to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, right? We'd all agree with that. We all read the verse, okay? Saw the Sunday school lesson. We are ministers in Christ, whether you're a mom, a dad, a boss, an employee, it doesn't matter. Uh, just a student at school. You are an ambassador at your school for Jesus Christ. That's the reason you're here. Amen? Amen. Right? I've said this a million times. Those of you that know me have heard me say it before. But... Uh, you know, uh, my, my dad was a preacher when I was a little kid. He used to have a huge pulpit, this big honking, like, Death Star-looking thing. And uh, he'd keep water in there and anointing oil. And he said, you know what I should do? I should keep a 44 Magnum in here. And when someone comes up and accepts Jesus, I should blow them home to glory. <laughs> it would be so much easier. Like, just get saved. If that's the goal, just get saved. And now, boom, you don't have to deal with life. But God doesn't do that. He leaves us here. You with me? Why? Like, what are you doing? Oh, here it is. McFly. <laughs> here it is. You're called to represent Jesus, or he would take you home. 
But you and I have a purpose to be here. Does that make sense? And so this is what happens. The enemy wants to sink you. He wants to take you out. He wants to weigh you down. And so there are things that weigh us down. And the first thing you got to do, listen, when you come up to a storm in your life, okay, something bad happens with your kid, or you lose your job, or your finances go to you know where. Whatever happens, the first, that storm happens in your life, dude, if you've got some hidden sin in your life, dude, it will sink you. And you know what I'm talking about. It could be pride. You could just think you're all that in a bag of chips. I don't know. It could be anger. That's one that I struggle with. It's just the first, my first reaction is to be ticked, man. I just want to be mad. I want to defend myself. But I have to die to that. Does that make sense? Because that will sink me in the ministry that God's called me to. I got to bail on that stuff. They jettison the cargo. First thing they do. I love that. Why? Because the storm's happening. Now, they're going to have an impact. We're going to see this ship is going to bust apart. It's absolutely going to crash. But to get ready for the crash game, the first thing you got to do, listen, I don't know how many times i got to talk to men who are struggling with internet pornography or alcohol or some drug or whatever. Fill in the blank. Whatever it is, it ain't worth the ministry that God's called us to. It's just not. You and I are here for one reason, to bring glory to the Master with the way we live our lives. I want people to meet me and think I'm a nice guy, but really, I want them to meet me and go, dude, I like, I think I want to be more like Jesus after meeting that guy. I don't know what it is. Does that make sense? I want him to get the glory for our life. So we got to bail. We got to get rid of some of those things. In times of trials, this is what we do. This is so true, man. Think about this. This is what we do. We turn to other things, right? So if you have a bad day at work, what's the first thing you do? I'm going to pour a drink and drink. I mean, awesome Christian people that love Jesus, recognize that he died for their sin, all of that. But what do they turn to? That. Or they'll turn to some drug. Or they'll, they'll go and hide out and look on the, on the internet or whatever it is. I think this is very wise. If you don't get anything else, get this. I believe that we grieve God's spirit when we are going through a storm and we turn to anything other than him for comfort. I'm going to say that again. I think we grieve God's spirit when we're going through a storm and we turn to anything other than him for comfort. For me, dude, I like I like uh, Netflix. Or... Amazon Prime or HBO Max or Disney Plus because I have to have them all. <laughs> Can't just have one of those things. Now I gotta have the NFL package because we live out in Boondock, Egypt, and they won't show the Chiefs. <laughs> anyway, see by the way, you're welcome. We left. You guys win this uh, World Series. <laughs> anyway, it's us. Just like this whole time, someone told me today we've had like two days of rain. We bring the rain. Our three weeks, everywhere we've gone, we go to the beach, we're like, oh, it's rain. We're like, never rain here. This is so weird. <laughs> anyway, sorry. It tells the world what we really believe when we turn to things other than the Holy Spirit in our times of storm. It tells the world what we really believe. And you ready for this? It tells our family what we really believe. 
All right. Second point, the R in grace is refocused. Let's look at verse 21. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul then stood up among them and he said, you men should have followed my advice. I love this right here. Paul's like, I told you so. I told you guys. You never listened to me. Anyway, that's how I would have said it. He said, you men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete to sustain this damage and loss. Now I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only of the ship. For last night, an angel of the God I belong to and serve stood by me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul. It's necessary for you. Angels probably talk deeper than that. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't be afraid, Paul. It's necessary for you to appear before Caesar. And indeed, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. So take courage, men, because I, oh, this is Paul now, sorry, high voice. So take courage, men, because I believe God that it will be just the way it was told to me, but we got to run aground on some island. Okay, I love this. Um, if you're going to prepare for impact, you not only need to get rid of whatever it is that might be weighing you down that could sink you, but you also have to stay focused on your primary objective. Okay, what's your primary objective? To bring glory to God. That's it. That's your primary objective. So you have to focus in on that, right? Hebrews 12 tells us we fix our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith. We got to fix our, literally, that, that, uh, the idea there is like, I literally will not be deterred. I have to keep looking at Jesus, dear God. I will not make it. We focus in on him and what he has called us to do. It is, listen, I don't care if you're a plumber. I don't care if you're in real estate. I don't care what you do. I mean, I care what you do, but not really. <laughs> Here's what you do. This is why God has you on the planet, to bring glory to him. It's only for his purposes. And that's why you see people that have the greatest amount of impact in the kingdom of God, they, it doesn't matter what they do for a living. They can do anything. They can be an electrician. And yet everybody around them knows that dude is a Christian or they know that lady is a Christian because she just, just all the time, she's just shining for the Lord but nothing stops her. She's focused in on that. Does that make sense? Um, Paul here stands up and he says, guys, <laughs> there's this God that I know. I serve him. I love him. I'm following him. He's all about me and I'm all about him. And last night, dude, he shows up by my bed and he tells me, Paul, don't chill out. I know it's been storming for a long time. I know everybody's freaking out. They're chucking stuff overboard. I get it. Don't worry about it. You're not going to die. Because I have a plan for your life. You have to appear before Caesar. You have to go to Rome, dude. You have to bring this message of the good news. This is why I put you on the planet. This is why I prepared you from a little kid serving underneath a rabbi named Gamaliel. I trained you in all these things. This is why I showed up to you on the road to Damascus. I have called you for such a time as this. Dude, you will not die until you have completed what I've called you for. You focus on that. You give, and, and because I'm a gracious God, everybody on the ship, 275 other people, none of them are going to die either. So go ahead and tell everybody that. So he stands up and he says, okay, this is what I'm called to. I ain't going down until I accomplish what I've been called to. Does that make sense? It's a big deal. All right. Let's keep going here. Verse uh, 27. All right. When the 14th, no, so this is two weeks, dude. Like we read these stories and they go in one ear and out the other ear. Like, yeah, whatever. Two 
stinking weeks, you're on the ocean and you think you're gonna die. This is scary, okay? Just for a minute, just imagine that. So when the 14th night came, we were uh, drifting in the Adriatic Sea, and about midnight, the sailors thought they were approaching land. They took soundings, and they found it to be 120 feet deep, and then they, uh, when they had sailed a little farther, and sang, they sounded again, they would drop these things, and, and uh, you know, how long the rope was or whatever told them how deep it was. They found it to be 90 feet deep, and then fearing we might run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern, and they prayed for daylight to come. You ever feel like that when you're in the middle of a storm? You're just like, God, please get me out of here. Just please, daylight. I just need some daylight. Just the light at the end of the tunnel. My boss is an idiot, and I don't know how much longer I can work from. Could you just, like, hit him with a bus? I don't care. Just tell me I'm praying for daylight to come. That's a bad example. I don't really mean that. Um, sort of. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, this is where they're at. They're just like, God, please. You know, a lot of times this is like how we pray, right? Because again, I want to circumvent the storm. I want to go around it. I don't want to go through it. God, could you just get me out of this, please? God, get me out of this hurtful time. This is how I'll be honest with you. God, just heal my life. Come on, just make it easier for me. And God's going, actually, Michael, I'm working something in you. Because you're, you don't look like me. And so I've got to let you go through this hellish time so that you look more like me. Does that make sense? All right. Let's keep going here. Um, verse, what am I at? 30. Okay. Some sailors trying to escape from the ship. They had let down the skiff, that's the, like the lifeboat, into the sea, pretending that they were going to, um, to put out anchors from the bow. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. So check this out. I told you there's three types of people, right? Prisoners, soldiers, and sailors. Sailors understand what's going down with the weather. You understand that, right? The soldiers and the sailors, they're freaking out anyway, but you're kind of thinking, well, the sailors got, you know, it's like if you're on a plane and you hit turbulence, you're like, well, the pilot, I mean, that guy's professional. Like, we're, we're probably going to be okay. I'm a little scared, but I'm, this is how they go. But when the sailors want to bolt, now you can be scared. Does that make sense? So these dudes are like, we're pretending, oh, we're just going to check the lifeboat here. <laughs> and Paul texts him, he totally calls him, he's like, dude. So he tells the guard, he's like, hey, um, if those guys leave, you need to understand, all of us are dead. They cannot leave. And here's the third point uh, that they give the brace, is that he's attached. We must be those that attach ourselves to others in a, in a way. I think Paul is declaring to this motley crew on this particular boat that they have to attach themselves together for the sake of the whole. Does that make sense? So listen, I hear this a lot, especially where I live. You know, I live up in the hippie area of Colorado, okay? What pastors call hard ground. And uh, I hear this all the time. We have a gondola. It's really beautiful. And it goes up. And so you get on the gondola before COVID and you would be riding with other people. And uh, you talk to them and they'd be like, oh, yeah, we're here. And what do you do? You live here? Oh, you're so lucky. It's so beautiful. What do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a pastor. Oh. <laughs> like immediately they don't want to talk anymore. It's weird. Because when I was here, you say I'm a pastor. They're like, oh, that's cool. A church. And it's like people at least were open a little bit. There, dude, they're totally closed. Like, don't start preaching at me. Don't tell me anything. I worship trees. <laughs> Literally, I hear that. 
They're like, yeah, well, on Sunday, I just like to go out in nature and, you know, eat a mushroom. <laughs> I would like that to be fun. <laughs> so it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. And then they're like, well, I believe in Jesus. You know, it's kind of cool. I just don't like church. How many have heard something like that? Like, I, like, I, I can handle Jesus. Like, that dude was pretty cool, uh, I guess. But uh, I don't like church. Well, dude, here's the deal. <laughs> church is made up of people. And Jesus died for people. So when you say, I like Jesus, but I don't like church, you're basically saying, I like Jesus, but I don't like people. And last I looked, Jesus died for people. Does that make sense? So we have to. And listen, if you don't go to this church, you know, whatever. Whatever church you go to, you need to attach yourself there. In times of storm, it's all hands on deck. All hands on deck. In my town, this is what they like to do. They like to write a check. I have multi-millionaires never going to a church like this. Dan Quayle, former vice president, goes to my church. <laughs> I go, we got this little teeny church, and I've got like celebrities there. It's crazy. It's the weirdest place I've ever been. And this is what they want to do. They're like, write a check. And they're like, here, Michael, you do it. Oh, you know what we should do? We should do an outreach to the people that come skiing. And, and during gay ski week, we should do an outreach. And, and I'm like, that sounds great. Let's do it. And they're like, yeah, here's a check. Why don't you do it? <laughs> and it's not as bad in other places in the world. I recognize that. But you know what? There's becoming more and more of a mentality in people's mind that we come to a place and we get fed by somebody and then we go out and we just try to live it at work or whatever. But, but I'm telling you, we need to get back to the mentality that we have to attach ourselves to one another for the sake of the whole. Dude, you need me and I need you. And I know it's an overused verse, cliche, whatever, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another man. You know what? That's actually true. Like, dude, there's so many Christians walking around and we are freaking dull. We're dull. And we ain't cutting jack squat in the spiritual realm. Right now, we are getting our rear ends handed to us, okay, by this culture. We are. And one of the reasons is, one of the reasons is, this is my opinion, you know, that and 50 cents won't get you much. But let me just say this. My opinion is one of the reasons that we're not getting a lot done is because we are dull swords. And the reason we're dull swords is because we are not in relationship with one another, sharpening one another. Like we used to be. Does that make sense? So we got to do it, man. And I know going to women's Bible study is, you know, it's just such a, it's like it's so hard to go to a men's Bible study. It's like, I don't really have time. Dude, you don't have time not to go. Like you meet those guys and they need to kick your spiritual rear sometimes. And I need my rear kick sometimes. This is how it works. It's called spiritual rear kicking. <laughs> it's in the book of Hezekiah. I wonder how many of us, dude, would not be like those sailors trying to sneak off the boat. It's like, this is really hard. <laughs> I'm just going to check the water. See what's Listen, how many of us would be good? This is what's happening today. I double dog stinking dare you to find a place where you can attach yourself and pick up an oar, get on deck, and go big. Right. You gotta go big. There's so many people that are sleeping under the deck. They're asleep. <sighs> or maybe they're on deck, but they're just sort of not doing anything. Well, I'm here on Christmas and Easter. And I'm here. Listen, that's groovy that you're here on Christmas and Easter and you come once a month or whatever. Dude. Be there. It's a big deal. 
I know as a pastor, I'm, and I get to say this when I'm visiting, I can't say this to my people, dude, I'm too angry. But, I'll say it on behalf of Nathan and every other pastor that might be represented here. Your pastor needs you to show up. He needs you to show up. It's an encouragement to him. When you're there and you're helping, does that make sense? Attach yourself to others. Hebrews 10, 25, everybody knows this verse. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. But all the more as you see the day approaching, gather. Amen? Hebrews 10, 25. All right. You guys still with me? Yes, 18 more points and we're done. All right. Can I just say, there is no pattern in all the Bible, and I've read it a couple times, but there's no pattern in all the Bible of anybody, a man or a woman, who is spiritually healthy, who is not in spiritual community. You can't find it. It's all hands on deck. All right. Fourth point is the C and its catalyst. Throw that up there, brother. Catalyst. So you got to serve as a catalyst of hope. Um, yesterday I drove uh, around Liberty, and uh, it has totally changed. Uh, what? <laughs> it was crazy. And I went by this little coffee shop. I didn't go in um, called Overflow Coffee. And uh, I didn't go in. I was too scared, and I was just in my underwear. But we drove <laughs> And I looked at now was I was wearing underwear, but I had another clothes. So anyway, I drive by. And there's a there's a sign in the window of this coffee shop, right? And it's, it says something about hope. It's like give hope or what's it say? Spread hope. Spread hope. That's awesome. I love that. So that's kind of what this is. You and I are called to be those that are catalysts that we're spreading hope. Okay. So the verse is 33. Let's go to verse 33. When it was about daylight. Paul urged them, so understand, it's still pitch dark, okay? It's super dark. It's about daylight. It's not daylight yet. It's about daylight. Paul urged them all to take food, saying, today's the 14th day that you've been uh, waiting and going without food, haven't eaten nothing. So I urge you to take some food, for this is for your survival, since none of you will lose a hair from your head. After he said these things, he had, uh, he had taken some bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of all of them. And after he broke it, he began to eat. And they all were encouraged, and they took food uh, themselves. In all, there were 276 of us on the ship. All right. In the middle of the crisis, in the middle of the darkness, Paul stands up, and he serves as a catalyst of hope. He says, listen, guys, we need to eat. We, you got to do this. I already told you you're not going to get hurt, but you guys are freaking like a Baptist deacon. <laughs> and you need to calm down. Sorry, Baptist. Um, anyway, this game is what you and I are called to be. In the middle of a stinking mandate to wear masks, uh, the pandemic that we live in, uh, the crazy <clears throat> theories that are out there, and all this stuff. Man, you can't even turn on social media without. You should try being a pastor in the middle of all this. Because 50% of people are telling me, you know, have you gotten a shot yet, Pastor Michael? Have you got a shot? And the other 50% are like, don't get the shot. It's the mark of the beast. And so I'm like, oh, what do I do? You know? And uh, you know, we, we're not going to church because you don't wear masks. And other people are like, we're going to church because you wear masks. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't know. You cannot please everybody anymore. You just can't. And, and I believe the enemy has used all this stupidity that we're in right now in our culture. Sorry if you disagree. You'd be wrong. 
I think he's used this to cause major division in the body of Christ. Yeah. Not just in the body of Christ, in, in the world, really, but, but really the body of Christ, which is a bummer, right? Because we're known, we're supposed to be known for our love for one for another. And I'm getting off my, my thing here. But we are to be those that stand up in the midst of this garbage and say, dude, we are catalyst of hope. Like, you know what I mean? People do, they, they walk in and it's like their ministry to bring other people down. You know what I'm saying? Like they're good at it, dude. They're super good at it. It's like, well, what do they say? It's like, some people just rejoice when you walk in the room. And some people rejoice when you walk out of the room. <laughs> Which one do you want to be, right? So, but, but this is it. You're like, man, they can tell you everything that's wrong with the government and everything that's wrong with the church today and everything that's wrong with their, their spouse or whatever. Listen, we can all do that. Why don't you be different than that and be someone who brings hope and builds people up. When they need you, you're encouraging them. The Bible says here that Paul urged them to eat. That word is a Greek word called parakleio, and it literally means he begged them. He was pleading with them. I mean, that's not like, hey guys, maybe we should eat. He's like, please, for the love of God, eat! You understand? I mean, it's like there's an intensity there. He's urging them. And then what happens at the end? It says, and they all were encouraged. And that word literally means they were strengthened. Not just because they put some substance in their bodies, but dude, now they're ready to go. Now we can attack the culture and what's going down. But the church is called to be a catalyst of hope. You with me? Yes. All right. Amen to that. Um, Oh, by the way, you guys know the story of, of Joseph and the coat of many colors? Everybody knows that, right? And his brothers sell him into slavery, and they're total jerks to him. And he spends like three years in prison. He gets falsely accused of rape. And uh, so they, they put him in prison. He's there for three years, totally forgotten about. And, uh, and then finally, he, he's remembered, and, and uh, he's in second command, right? And then God tells him, you know, that there's going to be famine and to prepare. And so Joseph is like a stud. He saves everybody in not just Egypt, but in all, all around, right? And then at the end of the story, uh, his brothers, the same dudes that betrayed him and sold him into slavery, they show up because they're starving. And they're like, hey, we're here on behalf of our dad and we need some food. And they don't recognize that it's their little brother that they sold into slavery. They don't recognize him. They think he's dead. So they're like, yeah, we're here. And, and Joseph totally recognizes them. And he's like, so he kind of plays the game a little bit, doesn't tell them. But then one day, he reveals who he is to them. He's like, I'm your little brother. And dude, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 50, they were scared. I would be scared too. Like they thought, oh no, God's getting us back for what we did to our brother. And now we're toast, dude. Even though he's given them all the right things to say, they're scared. They're like, he's, he's going to do us in. We know it. He's going to do us in like we did him in. And one of my top 10 verses in all of the Bible, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. I don't have it up here, but take my word. It says this. Joseph sees that they're scared. And he says, um, as for you, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Like God has this groovy way of taking what I jack up and what other people, when they wound me and they jack me, God has this way of taking all of that and turning it around for his good. Dude, that's a message the world needs to hear. When they're going through some cruddy thing at work or they come to you and, they, and they're like, dude, my marriage is blowing up or whatever's going on, you can be a catalyst of hope and say, man, listen, I know this sucks right now and I know this is hard for you, but let me tell you something. God can turn this around for good. Right. Yes. Dude, that's it, man. That's the message. 
And we have, you can't wait for a pastor to give that message on a Sunday. Because most people ain't walking through the doors. God has planted us in individual little places to bloom where we're planted to bring him the most amount of glory. All right, almost done. My last page of notes. Here we go. So the storm's raging here. It's blowing all over the place. Paul says you guys got to have something to eat. And uh, here we go to the fifth point, the E, which is eliminate. Eliminate retreat as an option. Um, sometimes when you're doing this with points, it's hard to find words to start with other things. So <laughs> I like, eliminate. That sounds like you're going to the bathroom. Okay, but yeah. Uh, no, it's the only one I can think of. Well, E, you know, exit. I don't know. Anyway, eliminate. Got to eliminate. Look at verse 39. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land but sighted a bay with a beach. They planned. See, we have plans, right? Uh, our plans aren't always God's plan. They planned to run the ship ashore if they could. And after cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea. At the same time, loosening the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail, that's the sail, to the wind, and they headed for the beach. But they struck a sandbar and ran the ship aground. The bow jammed fast and remained immovable. And when the stern began to break up by the pounding of the waves, you see what's going on here, right? They're, they, they're like, okay, forget this, man. Pull up the anchors. They're too heavy. Just cut the ropes, man. The anchors fall to the ground. Lift up the sails. Dude, we're just going to let the wind take us. Dude, we're just going to go with the wind, and we're going to go. Hopefully, it's going to pull us right up, nice and beautiful, right into the sand, and we can jump off. Okay? But they... It doesn't go according to plan. And they, boom, they run right into the sandbar, and then now they can't move, and they can't, there's no reverse. And so they're like, what? And the waves are beating the thing, and it begins to break apart, okay? I love that they cut the anchors. They're like, you know what? We're at the point now, two weeks in, dude. Forget, we are not, there's no way out of this. We're just going to let the wind take us wherever it wants to go. There's no retreat. Let me tell you something. I meet people like this, and this is what they'll say. They'll say, hey, Pastor Boy. Yeah, Pastor Boy. I went to church, and I did the Jesus thing. I did it. I sang the songs. I even stood the whole time, dude. While they were everybody standing, I wanted to sit down. My knees hurt. But I stood, man, while they were singing. Stinking girls. Singing songs. And I was there, man. I tried the Jesus thing. It just didn't work for me. It didn't work. I'm like, okay, well, well, so you just gave up? Yeah, I mean, it just didn't work. I tried it. I mean, I did the whole thing. I was there. Let me tell you something. The Bible says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. So I always tell people like that. If you really tasted Jesus, you would know he's good. Like, there, you ain't ever going back. Ever. You cut the anchors, dude. Pedal to the metal. You're going big. What you tasted was religion. What you tasted was church. And, and church blows. I don't care what church you go to. You can have laser beams and fog machines. And that can be great. You can have the greatest singers in the world and the best preacher that preaches funny stories every other sentence. And you can, it is great. I'm telling you, it blows in the end without Jesus Christ. You have to have Jesus, man. 
And that's why I can go to a church. Remember Kelly and I went to a church one time, and there was a lady playing the guitar, and she was missing like three teeth. It was in uh, south of St. Louis, remember? And so we're there, and there's this little teeny church, and they were looking for a pastor before we started DC. And so we go there, and we're in the front row, and she's like banging on the thing, and she's like, Hoo! and her teeth are broken. <laughs> and everything, I know I'm, I'm a pagan, I get it. But I'm like, I'm like I can't worship, you know? Like, I, this lady is like, I can't deal with this, you know? And, uh, and she, you know what? And finally, I know this is bad, this is me, okay, I'm bad. So finally, I'm like, oh, now I know why people close their eyes and worship. <laughs> I get it. Oh, I get it. So I close my eyes and I have to look at this weird, funky lady. And the way she's out of tune, she's singing, like she literally, she's, she's playing C, but singing a G. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And we're singing these songs, and I'm just like, okay, but you know what? We close our eyes, and, and uh, afterwards I told Kelly, I was like, that was one of the best worship services I ever went to. Because I died halfway through the first song, I had to die. And then I realized it's about Jesus and not about toothless wonder. <laughs> Some of them are really good. Like some idiot abused you or, um, you know, whatever. There was some, you know, immorality in the church or whatever. And I've heard a lot of, of things that are, I'm going, dude, I get that. Like I probably wouldn't go either. But it ain't about that. It's about, it's about Jesus. And I think, I honestly think that if you want to be a radical going after God, you literally have to cut the anchors. And you have to say, wherever the wind blows, dude, I have my plans. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. So I think I'll put up the sails, I'll let the Spirit of God lead my life, and I'll just go where He tells me to go. And if it's straight into the bullseye of a storm, it's okay with me. Because God, nothing matters except your will being accomplished in and through my life. Amen? Amen. Alright, let's finish the chapter here, verse 42. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners so that no one could swim away and escape. But the centurion uh, kept them from carrying out their plan because he wanted to save Paul. And so he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to follow some on planks and some on debris from the ship. In this way, everyone safely reached the shore. Everyone safely reached the shore. I love that. Uh, I often say this joke, but you know, here they are, the ship is breaking up, and there's pieces of wood, and they ride it into shore. It's the first instance of surfing in the box. Um, they're starting to ride in the debris. Anyway, I just think this is the last thing I'm going to say. Some of us have some really broken areas in our life because of the wrecks that we've been in. There's some yucky stuff going down. Does that make sense? But what God can do is he can allow others to grab onto the debris from the crud that's gone down. And I don't know what it is, dude, but if I stand up in front of people and I say, yeah, I'm the holy man of God and I'm perfect and everything, dude, people do not relate to me. But when I'm just transparent, I say, actually, yeah, I say sucks. And I say it with a slur. 
And I've got issues, and my life's not perfect, and I struggle with this, and I struggle with this. And you're just real with people. I have found, over 31 years now, I have found that people will grab onto the debris of my wreckage, and they will ride that into salvation. It's weird. It's really weird. And I promise you, if God will do it with a donkey like me, he'll do it with a donkey like you. <laughs> and so sometimes we, we try to hide those things and, and we wear masks. You know, it's like, oh, I'm happy. Praise the Lord. How are you today? God bless America. Listen, be real, man. Be real and watch what God can do even with the yucky parts of your past and your life. Does that make sense? I believe God wants us to be men and women who are ready for whatever's coming down the pike. I feel like this message would have been really good a year and a half ago. Amen? Like, get ready. It's about to get weird. And it is weird. Now, what was really weird is now sort of our norm. But it's weird. And the weirdest thing is that the church is somehow bought into, the church is somehow bought into, I can watch a sermon online and get my fix. We, we have. That's probably the most destructive thing. And I'm grateful for the online stuff. But the truth is, is we need each other. So man, if you haven't been going to church in a long time, I double dog dare you to be here again next week or go to whatever church. You need to be somewhere. And don't just sit on deck. Grab an oar. Go big. Because we are in a state of crisis right now. I really believe this. Amen? Can I pray for you guys? And I guess the worship team is going to come up. That's awesome. So let's bow our hearts. Heavenly Father, I love you so much, God. You are the best thing going on in my life. You always have been. You always will be. God, forgive us where at times we have allowed things to sink us. We've allowed this hidden stuff, God, that no one else knows about, Lord, to really put us out of the game. I ask for forgiveness for that, God. Reveal those things to me, God, that I can get rid of them. I don't want anything hindering, God, what you've called me to be. I pray, God, for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, that they would be able to refocus on their primary objective, and that is to serve you, to love you, to follow you every day of their lives. As a husband, as a, as a wife, as a dad, as a mom, as an employee, as an employer, God, that we would see it's not just earning a paycheck, God, but it is our primary objective to bring glory to you, regardless of where we're at and what we're doing. God, help us to attach ourselves to other followers of Jesus Christ. God, help us to be a catalyst of hope in the midst of darkness, God, and help us, God, to cut the anchors and, and to not have a, an exit plan, but to, but to go forward, God, and never look back. I want to be that kind of man. And I pray for my brothers and sisters here, God. Lord, I pray the, the, the priestly blessing, God, that you would bless them, that you would keep them, that you would cause your face to shine on them, be gracious to them, lift up your countenance upon them, and grant to each person listening to me now your peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, we pray. We love you. Let's stand up and go out of here worshiping the Lord.